It's a new day. Yes, it is. Wakey, wakey. Time to get up. Good morning, citizens. Open at them. Rise and shine. This is your wake-up call, people. Come on, the coffee's on. We're going to get you guys circulating on Christian radio. I understand young people. I know what's hip. I know what's on. I know what's lit. I know what's fleet. What's up, my nerds? Nerds! I work with a bunch of nerds. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Rise and shine, nerds. Welcome to the Back Row Morning Show, a part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network and the official exclusive morning show for LTN Radio. I'm Radio Matt. I'm the station manager for LTN Radio. I'm a third-generation radio dude and a lifelong nerd. Also, I had gallstones when I was four. And I'm Mo, the shorter yet louder, and some might even say smarter counterpart of the back row. I'm a wife, mom, and super fan of all things friends. And sometimes when I sit and I know that I have to talk, know that something's coming up, my mouth begins to salivate. And then when I actually have to speak, I've got all this saliva just (laughs) gathered at the top of my mouth. And I'm afraid that I'm going to spit all over the mic. I thought mine was gross. <laughs> That's fantastic. Today on the show, we are remembering singer, storyteller, spectacle, Carmen. We've also got a Who Said It quiz, Twitter poll, five random facts, and more. But first, today is Monday, February 22nd, 2021, and we got some holidays to celebrate. That's right. Uh, today, I think this is supposed to say National Margarita Day. Yes. Okay. You sent that to me, and I thought, mm, he really don't know how to spell margarita. <laughs> I wrote margarita. Margarita day. Margarita. Uh, it's also National Walking the Dog Day. Yeah, I mean, you got to th- do it. Listen, guys, I'll just go ahead and give you a, a look into the future. This week's holidays are kind of lackluster. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of lame. If you're looking to celebrate something, you're going to have to look elsewhere. Walking the dog is like... I mean, I bet if you live near a nice park or or something, walking the dog can be fun. But uh, otherwise, no. No, I think walking the dog, no matter where you live, is a chore. Is it? Yeah. Your scenery does make it better, but it's still a chore. Yeah. Unless you've got, like... A dog perfectly in their prime. They're perfectly trained, but yet they're not so old that all that they want to do is lay around. I don't know. When I think about walking a dog, for some reason, the first scene that pops into my head is like that very end scene from You've Got Mail, where Tom Hanks' character is walking his dog, but the dog like gets ahead of him, and that's when they're first meeting, mm-hmm. technically for the first time. Mm-hmm. And like I'm seeing that as, you know, Fun adventure in Central Park with your dog kind of thing. But that's not how this works. No. It's um, freezing cold. It's 830 at night. and Your dog needs to take an hour and a half to find a place to poop outside. Well, yeah. And usually when they're on a leash, of course, it's different when they've been trained. And that's the only way that they've been able to use the bathroom for their entire existence. But um, it's different because they don't really typically... Like to poop when on a leash. <laughs> so. And then when they finally do, you have to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just gross. No, thanks. Mm-mm. I don't want a dog. That's not right. How has your week been, Mo? Fine. Again, like our holidays. There ain't nothing to brag about. Nothing special this week? 
Is that why you posted how you wanted to go to Key West? Yeah. <laughs> there ain't nothing else happening. You know, seriously, I, I posted this on your comment. Key West was the only thing that I really loved about our uh, our cruise adventure that we had a couple years ago. And you ago. hadn't even left the country yet. Exactly. Though. Exactly. Wow. Key West was phenomenal. Deidre and I both agree that that's going to be a place where we go yeah. the next time we have a big just her and I vacation. See, yes. and I think that doing that whole drive, the 150-mile drive across the bridge from island to island, it just sounds perfect. It sounds fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no kids. Uh, over here, over here on our end. Yeah, yeah. On, on my family's end, uh-huh. we've been rearranging the house. We've painted the uh, the new kids' room, and now we have moved all their stuff in, and it has been five nights of them sleeping in the same room, mm. and uh, has not gone terribly. Hey. I expected them to be very uh, 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 frustrating, and continually getting out of bed and playing with each other when they're supposed to be going to sleep, but so far, pretty much, they... Go to bed. Nice. And are, are normal about it. Uh, but we are starting to really see the pattern. Like, we kind of saw this beforehand, but now that they're in the same room, we see it a little more clearly that Johnny's a lot like me and wakes up really early mm-hmm. and is ready to get work done. Mm-hmm. Eli would like to sleep as long as possible, just like Dave. Yeah. <laughs> and when he wakes up, he doesn't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the first tiny crack of light will shine through the blackout curtains and Johnny will pop his head out of bed and then start throwing stuffed animals at Eli to get it. Oh, my goodness. It's adorable. Uh, Yeah. You know, I will say this. It is when you you can see your children's personalities when they're separate, of course. But when you keep them in one room, then you really begin to see their different personalities shine through. Mm -hmm. That's when I learned which one of the boys was more clean and which one was more messy. Whoever's side of the room it was that was more clean, whoever's bed was made that evening when we went to put them back to bed for the day, you know, that's how I knew. You're my clean kid. I'm going to have to get on to you about. Unfortunately, in that regard, both both our boys are the messy one. I bet the older that they get, though... (laughs) It's usually about, yeah, it's usually about six, seven, eight that boys really start to care. Hmm. I mean, they really start to care about their looks once they're teenagers, but about their space. Yeah. Okay. About their things. Okay. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, And so with that, we have now transformed or beginning to transform Eli's old room into my new office. Okay. Slash. Uh, streaming area. Okay. Uh, at home, so that's nice, fun. A lot of stuff to do there. Yeah. Where we've designed this elaborate wall, where uh, the wall behind where the desk is, that will have shelves that go wall to wall, and then all the way down top to bottom. Oh my gosh! Where every single pop and collectible. Will be displayed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a project. Uh-huh. Greg's ready for it. My father-in-law. 
He's already coming up with ideas to make it better than I thought in my head. He's going to put it like on a track system where we can move them down as needed. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, it's it's going to be dope. Dang. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then my mother is moving, like we you know we talked about. Mm-hmm. We talked about how our mothers are are swapping places. Yeah. Same things happening with Hillary. Hillary's mom is also moving here. Really? At about the same time, my mom is moving out. Wow. In April, May, my mom told me they're they're already uh, they're like forty five days away. Wow. Like it's come really quick. Has she sold the house? Is she selling? The She's house? renting a house, so oh. she doesn't have to sell anything. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. Yeah, and she doesn't have a whole lot of stuff to pack and move, uh, so like it'll be, it'll be quick. Wow. Quick okay. up and gone. Okay. And it's gonna be weird. What do you know? Be weird. <laughs> uh, my mother has not been away from me for more than a couple years uh, because I've been her her emotional support system since I was a kid, mm-hmm. and she didn't really mean to make me that when I was a kid, but I just, that's how it's worked out. Yeah. And so I'm really betting there's going to be a, a sharp learning curve living with uh, my older brother. You think? But, uh, I mean, better than nothing. Better than her living alone. This is true. Yeah. And they've this got the, the house that they're moving into for her has a, uh, has a, you know, has two master bedrooms. One's for her, but the one they're giving her also has like its own little tiny living room as well. It's almost like a small studio apartment within a larger house. Nice. Yeah. So it'll look really neat. I think she'll have a good time. Yeah. But that's it. Again, not not really a whole lot going on personally. Yeah. Yeah. Just a lot of peripheral stuff happening. Hey. But that's okay. Sometimes we need a week that's just boring. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. we had a snow week that's what it was that's true it was a, an odd it wasn't odd even week. a fun snow week that's right because it was the dry snow you couldn't even make snowmen or anything like that with it no it felt like you were walking on rice mm-hmm. it was nasty oh yeah i messed up my knee oh. uh because it happened on it started coming down on saturday night or saturday i guess friday night but saturday but not too terribly bad. But it was Saturday into Sunday morning where it like really started coming down, really started blanketing everything. Mm-hmm. So Sunday morning rolls around and uh, I still have to be up here at the church really, really early to get things ready. And so we decide we're just all going to kind of drive up there and meet and see how it how it is before we cancel or not. So I get there and we decide to cancel, but I still have to be there because instead of canceling, we're going to record exactly. the sermon and put yeah. it online. Or rather, this time we did just a legit live stream with sans frills and all that kind of stuff. But hey, you remember like a year ago when you would cancel church and that you really canceled? Like there was no live streaming church? Yeah, it was just over. <laughs> yeah. Now now we've gotten ourselves painted into a quarter where we have to do service even when we're not going to do service. Thanks, 2020. <laughs> Um, but yeah, then I was trying to leave later that day, went outside, I'm carrying my, my computer bag in one hand and I put my foot down and it just keeps sliding No, and I can't like, yeah, you can't drop your bag, drop my bag. And so I just slammed down onto this other knee. 
Oh, it was bad. It was bad for a couple of days. Yeah, and we're 35 now. So I know, that's not a good yeah. <laughs> If I was still 20, I'd have hopped back up like right. nothing had ever happened. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, but we were fortunate. You know, we're, we're, we're really close to Texas, and uh, they had so much worse than we did. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're listening to LTN Radio on the regs, then you'll know that... We didn't have free play on Wednesday night, and then we finally were able to get that as a replacement for Church Nerds on Friday morning because we didn't have Church Nerds because Bubba, where those two shows you know partially come out of or fully come out of, barely had any power for the entire week. Wow! Like they would have a couple hours a day that would it would pop on, and they would charge everything up and try and get some stuff done and cooked and all that kind of stuff, but. For the most part, they were doing nothing, sitting in the dark. We only had, me, on my side of town, only had one power outage for about an hour and a half. Yeah, that's what we had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yours came a couple of days later from ours. Oh, really? So, yeah, ours was really early on hmm. before I had heard of that happening anywhere else. Interesting. Yeah, it was weird. But uh, we were fortunate in that fact that it really was just one brief outage for most of us. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we just got to move on with our very cold life. Very cold for New Mexico. This was the coldest, of course, all winter, but it was cold, colder than it's been, I feel like, in years. Oh, yeah. Since we've here. lived here. Yeah. In for sure. Years and years and years. I don't think that we've ever seen it drop. We may have seen, like, negative one. Yeah, it's gotten below zero before, but... But I don't think that we've ever seen it with the wind chill. It was, like, negative 20. Yeah, yeah. But I think without it, it was still, I think it got to negative 14 yeah. that night, which was yeah. ridiculous mm-hmm. for the Southern Plains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, Mila's like, can we go play in the snow? And we're like, no, this is too cold. You can't go play in this weather. snow. Yeah. I think that's what I kept seeing on my phone is like 30 minutes exposure to this uh, Yeah. This wind will give you frostbite. Like, yep. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> The only the only thing that was better than any other snowstorm we've had lately is the fact that you know your cars weren't completely encased in ice. This is true. It was very easy to clean off your car and go. Mm-hmm. It was not easy to drive there, but it was easy to clean your car off and go. Yeah, I I agree with that. <clears throat> hey, but I will say this: if any of our listeners are like North northeastern and they're hating on texas right now because they feel like we do this every winter yeah why can't texas come on guys uh here's the thing roads are made of a completely different material in texas than what they're made in our northeastern states causes them to be slick when it rains so just imagine what it is when it snows i also feel like if you live in a in a climate where this is a common occurrence, you're prepared for it. Right. We, there are not snow plows ready and established and I'm pretty sure we have two in our town sitting by. Yeah. (laughs) So that's not an option guys. Also listen, pipes are water pipes. Texas water pipes are about four to six inches below the ground, not feet, my friend. So when the ground freezes, those pipes freeze. Mm. Yeah. 
there aren't basements like like our northeastern friends have. Basements are very few and far between, you know, sea elevation and whatnot. Therefore, we don't have like a room below ground that just stays a little bit warmer to retreat to. Mm. Things are just different in Texas <laughs> and our southern states than what they are up in in the country where you're ready for snow. <laughs> Okay. With chains on your tires and all kinds of things. It's been a hundred years since Texas has seen weather like this. One hundred years. Just think about that. So yeah, you're right. They Just weren't like prepared for it because they hadn't seen it. They didn't need to be prepared. It's the pandemic of weather. Exactly. It's every hundred years. Exactly. This <laughs> is the sibling rivalry of years between 2020 and 2021. <laughs> Little brother came along and said, let me show you what I can do. <laughs> All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, some funny tweets. But first, a new back row binge watch. Stick around. Oh, man. This is great. This is so great. I love canvassing. What a great way to spend my time. It's a good idea. But I'm just not sure. Okay, which part are you not sure about? Turning the pit into a park. That's kind of a whole thing. Look, I think this is a great idea, but I can't make any forum. I would have to get a babysitter. How old are your kids? Four and two. Could the four-year-old watch the two-year-old? Okay. In the second episode of the first season of Parks and Recreation, we see the entire gang going out canvassing. They are taken to the streets, into the neighborhoods, knocking on doors, inviting people to come to a public forum about their project to put a park in the pit. Of course, it turns out to be a disaster because anybody who would be in favor of the park just can't make the time to get there, and anybody who's opposed to it, well, they've got all the time in the world. But that's typically how it goes, especially in ministry. In our churches, there are loads of activities and ideas and ministries that we all love, all think are fantastic ideas. But when it comes to helping out, well, we just can't seem to make the time. And so we're always on a lookout for anybody carrying a clipboard looking for volunteers because we don't want to get caught in what feels like a filibuster. Boom. They can't touch you if you talk forever. Ministry leaders are desperate for volunteers, and it's harder and harder to find them. Even in this past year where all of us have had more free time than ever, we've still been unwilling to help when help is needed. The Bible says in 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I could go on for another hour with enough verses to fill it that will explicitly let you know that God doesn't want you to sit on your hands. God wants you to devote some of your life to serving others, some of your life to ministry that glorifies his name. But instead, churches are still suffering with that 80-20 principle, where 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And that's not only not fair, it's an incredible burden you're putting on people. If just a few more of us would take a couple rocks off of the mountain that these volunteer leaders are carrying, things would become a lot easier. But instead, we have them waste their time and energy chasing us down in our church foyers and parking lots. Oh, he said some upsetting things. 
Catch a new Backrow Binge Watch on the Backrow Morning Show every Monday, right here on LTN Radio. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And we got some funny tweets for you coming up. And then later on in the show, we're going to be talking about the late, great Carmen. Uh, but before we do anything else, I've got five random facts. Are they dog walking facts? Nope. <laughs> Are they Margrita facts? <laughs> Margrita. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they are random facts. All right. All right. The Nobel Peace Prize is named for Alfred Noble, the inventor of dynamite. <laughs> the largest living organism in the world is a fungus. It's in Oregon covering 2,200 acres and is still growing. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's a big old mushroom. I'm assuming it's a mushroom. It can't be a mushroom, right? If it's covering that many acres. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess that's true. That does make sense. <laughs> I just envisioned this certain, certain giant mushroom. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, no, not all mushrooms grow in height. Some just grow in width. But not just straight from the ground, right? With one stem. Like, if it's going to be that, it's got to have a very wide base. That's true. But it'd be cool to see. <laughs> it would be really neat to see. Uh, in the early 1990s, Michael Jackson tried to buy Marvel Comics just so that he could play Spider-Man in his own produced movie. Wow. Right? Wow. Uh-huh. Yep. What a world that would have been. <clears throat> what? <laughs> what a weird world. I think it, yeah, it would have been weird. But I also am kind of curious as to know, like, what it would have looked like. <laughs> I'm I'm a Michael Jackson fan. I realize that I'm in the minority, but I still think it would have been cool. Um, an estimated 2.7 billion people played video games in 2020 alone. This increase is likely due to the global pandemic, a wide supply, and an overgrow an ever growing demand. So you know, here's to the age of the gamer. My my 15 year old is living his best life. <laughs> I mean, I don't think N- Nintendo has had a better year for sales. Like, the Xbox uh, Series X came out. The PlayStation 5 came out. They both came out. They were both highly anticipated. Uh, pre-sales through the roof. Mm-hmm. Better selling than most of their previous predecessors. And still, the Nintendo Switch outsold them. Yeah. And has continued to outsell them every month since their release. Mm-hmm. Because everybody just... And that's that's with people not being able to find them anywhere still. Yeah. Like, it's hard to find a Switch in any location now. And uh, that's because everyone everyone just wants to play the, play the days away. And yeah. sometimes they need a little more, uh, I guess, lighthearted games. That's um, fair. Because you imagine... I mean, I'm not one of those people that, you know, thinks that playing violent or intense video games is you know going to turn you into a, a maniac person. or whatever yeah. but but it is still heavy you know it's the same way with like tv shows if you're sure. watching nothing but horror movies for a week uh, you know by the end of that week you're going to be on edge you're yeah. going to be a little tense mm-hmm. whereas if you're watching romantic comedies all week you're going to be you know happy and cheery and flowery and hey, uh yeah. i mean ish <laughs> Where or I expecting think... more from your spouse. <laughs> so if you're playing, you know, Call of Duty, you're playing Destiny 2 for, you know, a solid week or for the entire pandemic, you know, it's gonna you're already feeling a little rough. 
you play Mario, you play Animal Crossing, you know, whatever you're going to... Life is good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's how, I mean, Animal Crossing, too. That was the best time for it to come out. Came out right at the beginning of the pandemic. Everybody on the planet just like, all right, let's make our own world <laughs> to Mila, escape to. Mila got Animal Crossing for Christmas, and I've played a couple times. And I don't know, this is going to be the ignorance in me. Okay. Okay. Because you're playing with other people, right? No. No? Mm-mm. Well, then who are the other people that are on there? They're not other people that are also like... I mean, you can you can connect and go to other people's islands and stuff, but for the most part, no. You're just doing it yourself and the other people that are there are just other villagers that you... Okay, because, you know, yeah. when is the only time that I get to play? At night. Yeah. Okay. And so every time that I go to sit down to play, everybody else is asleep. So oh, I'm just this lone person walking <laughs> yeah. around in a dark village with nothing to do. That is one of the things, yeah, is it follows linear yeah. time. Now, you can change, like, the time on your switch, and it'll adjust. Yeah, but, but that uh, ruins everything else. It does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. And uh, I recall that being a problem for me the last go-round with Animal Crossing I had, which I think was on the... Maybe the 3DS? I don't quite remember. One of the handhelds back then. And uh, I could typically only play at night. I'm like, yeah. oh, there's so much to do during the day that I never get to do. Mm-hmm. Including exactly. several things like people that are only there during the day. Yeah. And uh, the big problem with this one is that uh, on Sunday, you know, Sundays are shot for me. I can't play on Sundays, but that's the only day that they do this thing called a turnip exchange, which is kind of like a stock exchange game within the game. Okay. And so if you're going to buy turnips or sell turnips, or well, I guess buy them, you got to buy them on Sunday, but you got to find that person in the wandering around your whole city. It's a large process if you want to buy a whole bunch. And I'm like, I don't, I, I, I never get to sit down. I can't like, I can't fully play it then. So even when you have all the time in the world, there's always going to be something you can't do with that game for some reason. But uh, it was a little easier this year. I mean, it seems like so much fun. It's very fun. But I... Until you get to a certain point where you've pretty much beaten everything and are collected at all. I'm just not getting to play the most of it. (laughs) All right. Hey, last one. When you look at a bright sky and see white dots, you're looking at your blood. Those are actually white blood cells. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. Yep. I always thought it was like... Like, I always assume it's, like, lint in my eyes or something, you know. Really? Every now and then you see, like, a little squiggle, you know, in your eye. And I always assume it's just, like, fibrous debris in the air that's gotten caught. No, see, it was always one of those lies, which I'm sure it's, like, a half-truth, you know. But you're always told, don't look up at at the sun. (laughs) Good grief. Because you'll go blind. Okay, And so my mom was always like, yeah, go ahead. Look up at the sun. You see all those white dots? That's your eyes slowly going blind. (laughs) That's all the cones and rods you're killing. Yeah. Melting in your brain. So now I can be like, mom, that's a lie. (laughs) It's my blood. (laughs) Well, Twitter is a toxic dumpster, dumpster, dumper, dumper fire. It's a dumper as well. Uh Uh, There's still some people trying to be funny out there. So we got a few tweets that are worth a chuckle. Just a few, just a few this week. Not a whole dang list. Uh, 
Yedo Ye underscore says, uh, every day I wake up and begin the 16 hour process of getting ready for bed. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, <laughs> it, it, where's the lie? Where's the lie? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, Deidre's, Deidre's pregnant, of course. Uh, and she's really getting to the point now where it's starting to take a toll on her physically and, and, uh, with sleep and all that. And so now I'm really having to step up. And if the boys need to get up in the middle of the night, I need to get up with them. If something's going wrong, I need to take care of it. We need to move stuff. I got to make sure I'm the one doing it and keeping her from getting up and moving things that are too heavy, all that stuff. And she's still exhausted, of course, because she's pregnant and she still does, you know, a lot that she can. But I'm also finding myself now back to where I used to be, where I would be falling asleep all day long. Anytime I was sitting down for longer than 10, 15 minutes, I'd notice myself just doze off. I'm like, mm, it's not good. It's not a fun place to be Yeah. when you just suddenly wake up when you were supposed to be working. <laughs> Something like that. How long yeah. have I been asleep and what all has happened in mm -hmm, that time? Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially mm -hmm. with both boys at home. Yep. All week long this past week. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. City with several Y's and a couple underscores afterwards. Uh, just did my own taxes. I should be in jail by Friday. <laughs> that is always something that I worry about. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a couple years ago, I think I might have made a mistake on our taxes and I didn't realize it until after we filed it. But then nothing yeah. happened. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't make so much money that I think a mistake would have altered it all that much, but... I mean, I guess that's true. Yeah. Let's see here. Skip a few. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, Vision underscore Josie. This is a, a story she's telling uh, about her job. She says, I'm checking temperatures today at work, and this lady walks in. I check her temperature, and she says loudly, you said my temperature is 100 and what? Let me go home. It says, y'all, she really left. It was only 96. <laughs> <laughs> How has yes. this not been a more common thing, right? This sounds brilliant. This is a brilliant way to go home. Wow. Well, here, so this past week, Chris, they do the same thing at Chris's job. Before they walk in, they have somebody that's temperature checking them. This past week, like the thermometer was reading so low because mm. just from walking in, Right. into the building from your car you're frozen right right you right. know and so they're like it wouldn't read chris's temp at all and the guy in front of him was 90.2 <laughs> we had somebody register as 89.9 yeah uh coming in for celebrate recovery this past week yeah mm -hmm. it was ridiculous it's one of those things that you're like uh <laughs> is this because the weather or are we mummifying what's should going I, on? Should I be concerned here? <laughs> you might want to go to the hospital. I don't know. Uh, all right. The next one from Lil Nero back says, uh, got the message. Your password's weak. Well, so is my memory. So please just let me keep it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Back up off me. Okay. So let me tell you real quick about a scam that I got. So, Another one? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it was it wasn't a okay. one where you could go back and forth. Well, oh. it probably could have been, but it's it's a it's a legit scam. And luckily, 
I'm in a unique position where I could tell it was a scam right away because, uh, you know, part, part of my testimony this is awkward. Part of my testimony is that I used to have a, a, an addiction to online inappropriate stuff. There you okay. Go. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I am fortunate enough to have not looked at that stuff in uh, almost 11 years, almost 11 years which is a big deal for me. Might not be a big deal for you, big deal for me. And I got an email that had one of my old passwords on it as the subject line. And then the, the email reads like this. I know this is one of your passwords. I happened to put a, a uh, malware tracker or whatever in your computer the last time you visited a certain uh, dirty website. And I... Turned on your camera and did a split screen watching you looking at this dirty website and showing what you were looking at. And I'm going to send it to all of your contacts and emails and Facebook Messenger friends unless you send me, you know, $5,000 in Bitcoin to this address. Nice. <laughs> like, holy cow. Because it was one of my older passwords. Yeah. But it was an older password. Yeah. Like, I hadn't put that one on anything in a long time. Yeah. And uh, I come to find out that uh, I had it on a on a pizza, cha- like a pizza website uh, for an account uh, at a pizza place that okay. had a hack a few years ago. And I had never, like, changed my password there or whatever. But they had a whole list of people's email addresses and their passwords. And so they just sent my password to that email address and then concocted this whole story. And I bet it works. Oh, yeah. Because threatening to send something like that to every person that you know. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. And so I'm glad, you know, again, I'm glad to know I haven't touched that stuff in 11 years. So I didn't get freaked out by it. I'm like, well, this is obviously a scam. So I looked it up. And yeah, I mean, they have the full verbatim uh email is sent out to thousands of people but it's happening a lot like right now like in the last three months this has been a new scam that's been going out interesting terrifying one i'm sure wow Hmm. terrifying (sighs) so yeah i've been i've been slowly changing my passwords over the years to make them more and more i'm not to the point where i can make it like some weird string of random letters and numbers with random cases and things because I can't I need to be able to remember it because mm-hmm. I, I have to log into too many things but uh a lot more two-factor authorizations turned on and uh my current password is it's more than 12 characters long I thought you were about to tell us your current password current, no. my current, <laughs> current password, password my is... current password for for my couple of my big things and then yeah variations on that you can't can't do weak passwords anymore, guys. It's too easy. You're worrying about your passwords now. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Oh man. Okay. Let's see. Move on to at underscore gorgeous geek. Uh, watching uh, watching Master Chef. She says, "Me, that looks so dang good." Gordon Ramsay, pathetic. Me. Pathetic. <laughs> Never eat that garbage. That looks so good. <laughs> pathetic. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I know I'm talking Liter- about. Like literally the worst looking dishes on MasterChef or 
like the signature dish thing in, in the beginning of Hell's Kitchen or whatever. All of them look better than anything I've ever made. And Gordon Ramsay will just be like, this is the worst thing I've Garbage. <laughs> the worst is watching, though, on Kitchen Nightmares or Nightmare Kitchens over in England, mm-hmm. both versions of the same show, where he just tears an entire restaurant apart. You oh, know? I love that one. He sits down and orders like 17 things from the menu and everything's garbage. Or is it... <laughs> There's another one. It might be Kitchen Nightmares. Nightmare he Kitchen. has a few that follow that same pattern. Kitchen Nightmares, Nightmare Kitchens, Hotel Hell, I believe, is a similar thing where he does the restaurant and the hotel connected to it. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of this stuff. Um, then there's the one recently, I think, called, uh, well, I don't know what it's called, but he ha- gives him like 24 hours to revamp the restaurant and the menu and all that. Mm-hmm. So they're all working like overnight and everything. Which makes no sense to me. Nah. Because you're working overnight and then the next day you have to be like on top of your service. Right. And yeah, remembering this new menu that you've come up with overnight. Yeah. That's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, none of it ever works. I think something like uh, 85% of restaurants that get uh, quote unquote fixed by Gordon Ramsay still go out of business within the next two years. Yeah. <laughs> because he, he ain't fixing the people. Right. <laughs> that's the problem. Because it's always got the one guy, the owner, that's just a jerk <laughs> and doesn't know how to treat anybody. And really what Gordon should do is just buy the restaurant and resell it to someone else who actually deserves it, not allow the guy who still is in control to remain in control. Yeah. Flip this restaurant. Exactly. Uh, all right. Last one here. From Jay Scutt. I hate when kids scream in public. You don't have real problems. It should be me screaming. Me. I mean, I'd love to scream in public. Sure. When was the last time you screamed in public, Mo? I feel like yours is more recent than mine. Just because of who you are. <laughs> I have very good control of my emotions, thank you. Right, I'm still thinking screamed, it's years ago. The last time I screamed in public was at an Awana Derby. That's right. I here remember in this that church. Story. Yeah. And I still to this day, like whenever I think about it, my insides churn and I'm like, oh gosh. Uh, that was me. I can't believe I did that. Somebody, oh, are you alright? No, we no, can't I'm not. do this. Yeah. This is inappropriate. Not okay. (laughs) Not okay. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, the life and music of Carmen. But first, this week in nerd history. Stick around. This week in nerd history, you mean the world wasn't black and white back then? On February 28th, 1954, the first color television sets using the NTSC standard were offered for sale to the general public. Other versions of the color TV were already introduced and being used, but only briefly, and this became the industry standard moving forward. However, it'd be another two years before broadcast companies could actually record and preserve their productions in color. And in 1958, NBC used the Ampex color videotape recorder to tape an evening with Fred Astaire, 
the oldest surviving network color videotape. There's a whole lot more information around the transition from black and white TV to color TV, and if you don't feel like going and learning all of it, well, you could just watch WandaVision again. I mean, it's a pretty good show. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more Welcome back to the Background Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And it's- today, <laughs> this isn't right. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot to fix that. Today, we're talking about Carmen, uh, who, who passed away just this past week. But first, we're going to play a quick round of Who Said It? This time, I've got quotes from, because we talked about TV dads, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about yeah. them. So this week, I've got two two uh, TV dads. More like TV granddads, kind of, yeah. but, but still. They're in the same ballpark. Uh, quotes from Frank Costanza, which is, of course, George George's dad on Seinfeld. So I guess we couldn't call him a uh, Yeah, he's not technically yeah, a grandfather. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. And then Frank Barone from Everybody Loves Raymond. So Who Frank is a versus grandfather. Frank. Yeah, yeah. Double Frank here. Two Franks. Uh, I'll read a quote. Mo is going to guess which is which. Uh, you can play along at home. This one is timed. We have 20 quotes and five minutes to answer them all. Are you ready? I'm ready. Right. Holy crap. <laughs> Barone. Correct. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A festivus for the rest of us. Costanza. <laughs> Jeez, Alou. Oh, man. Uh, Costanza. Wrong. Really? You saying you want a piece of me? Barone. Wrong. What? <laughs> I find tinsel distracting. Uh, Barone. Wrong. What? You don't know a monkey's a monkey wrench from a monkey's butt. Barone. Correct. Okay. He had a crater in his colon the size of a cutlet. Barone. Wrong. Man. You send your little lady out into a man's world with a naked finger? It's like banana time in a monkey cage. Costanza. Wrong. Oh, my God. You still need reassurance after 45 years of bondage? Oh, Barone. Yeah. You couldn't smooth a silk sheet if you had a hot date with a babe. I lost my train of thought. Jeez um, Louise. Um... <laughs> Costanza. Right. Okay. You're even dumber than I tell people. <laughs> Barone. <laughs> yes. Your meatloaf is mushy, your salmon croquettes are oily, and your eggplant parmesan is a disgrace to this house. Barone. Wrong. Really? Nice. I tried it once. Didn't care for it. Barone. Correct. Trophy wife. What contest in hell did I win? Barone. <laughs> got a lot of problems with you people and now you're gonna hear about it oh i feel like i've been saying barone the whole dang game <laughs> barone wrong oh man that's my old move i used it on my wife 40 years ago i told everybody about it everybody knows i stopped short costanza correct there's only some people i hate the rest i tolerate costanza Wrong. What? Serenity now. That's it? Yeah. Uh, Costanza. Correct. As I rained blows upon him, I realized there had 
There had to be another way. Costanza. Correct. Okay, everybody. You're allowed in my home unless you sit in my chair, touch my remote, or are married to me. <laughs> Barone. Correct. Man, <laughs> that was my worst ever who bad. said it. You got 60%. The average score is 68. So that's, I mean, still not far off from the average. Yeah. That is one of the harder ones I think we've ever done. So I went into this one thinking, this is going to be cake <laughs> because they're so different to me, you know, as far as the the type of father that they are, mm-hmm. you know, Barone mm-hmm. is much more bitter and <laughs> hates his life whereas costanza not so much yeah you know he hates other people yeah uh jesus <laughs> you said barone and was frank costanza you saying you i'm sorry vice versa you okay. said frank costanza and it was yeah frank barone uh you saying you want a piece of me that was frank costanza you got that one wrong uh i find tinsel distracting that's part of the festivist thing okay why well, he doesn't like christmas got that one uh crater and it's cold on the size of a cutlet you said Barone, and that was Costanza. Uh, banana time in a monkey cage. You said Costanza, and that was Barone. Uh, you got, you, I mean, you got a good, you got twelve out of twenty right. I mean, you got more right than you did wrong. Okay. Uh, so I mean, you shouldn't feel, still... shouldn't feel terrible. It was. I mean, you should feel bad, but not terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, last, we're, we're going to try and do this without being too sad. Um, but last, last week, uh, one of the most iconic names in Christian music passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, now I, I thought I had read initially that he passed away from his cancer cause he had cancer. I remember it was a big deal. Uh, at one point he said he only had a few years to live and everything. And then it also went into remission. A couple years after that. And so I thought that I'd read that that's what happened. But actually what happened was a, just a complication with a hernia surgery. Mm-hmm. Which must have come out just completely out of left field mm-hmm. for him. Um, but let's let's read, a, read about him here. There's a Christianity Today article. And then we'll talk a little bit more about our, our own personal memories and connections. So after a 40-year career in Christian music, Carmen died in Las Vegas last Tuesday night due to complications from surgery. He was 65. He was a one-name celebrity. And uh, for those who knew him, the Christian singer and showman ranked in the highest echelons of American stardom, up there with other mononymous, how do you say that? Mononymous, mononymous. I don't even know where you're at to try and Divas, help you out. Madonna, Cher, Liberace, Carmen. For those who uh, didn't know him, the single name was uh, often a repeated question. Carmen, who's that? But if Carmen's star never quite secured its place in the zenith of American fame, he never met. He never let that dim his belief in his own celebrity, the awesome power of the concert, show, crusade, event, and his commitment to producing a pop spectacle for Jesus. Uh, He said, the music is the best means I have of reaching the most people in the quickest way to win them to Christ. I think an artist owes it to his audience to thrill them and impress them. And it lets people know there is joy in being a Christian. I mean, if I think there's, there's that, that is probably the most accurate statement about Carmen. Oh yeah. 
from his mouth I've ever heard. Because mm-hmm. uh, he he definitely puts on a show. I, I, I think, <laughs> and you, I mean, you can watch his his uh, like music videos. You can mm-hmm. watch watch uh, concert videos and things, and you'll see. Like he he does not go halfway. He puts on a spectacle. I think spectacle is the best word for it because mm-hmm. it's not a typical concert. But it's also not like a crusade per se. It's a weird combination of of just a bunch of different things that he tries to entertain you with. If this song doesn't entertain you, the next song is going to kind of kind of set up. Yeah. Um, Carmen. His his full name was Carmelo Dominic Lick Lissiardello Delio. Oh gosh, I can't. Lissiardello. Thank you. Italian friend. Uh, <laughs> he was raised the youngest of three children uh, in Trenton, New Jersey. He has won seven Dove Awards, which uh, is the Christian equivalent to the Grammys. Uh, he was nominated for four Grammys, named Billboard's Contemporary Christian Artist of the Year in 1990 and in 1992. He has sold more than 10 million albums. In 2013, 30 years after his first hit and on the heels of his cancer diagnosis, his fans raised 280 thousand dollars for him to go on one final 60 city tour uh matt feltz his manager said in tribute when carmen resumed touring again a few years ago he was concerned that no one would care that he was back and he was wrong every night fans packed out venues and his ministry was as powerful as it ever was this world has lost a light in the darkness but today carmen has firsthand the fruits of his labor uh, so <laughs> one of the things that is clear about him is that he, he's, he's got a little bit of a vanity problem. Yeah. Cause I mean, you look at his cover, like his album covers and everything. He, <laughs> he has things that I remember there's one specifically where he's kind of like, like lying down kind of on his side, but it's just like from his you know stomach up and I'm like this looks like a michael jackson album well yeah and i think (laughs) um album color colors album covers of carmen's really like give the glamour shot of the 90s very much yes you know Mm -hmm. but i also think that that was one of his ways of kind of attracting non-christian listeners possibly and in the 90s that would have worked today yeah. you look back and you see those and you're a little cringe yeah. but but uh yeah i mean back then that was the that was the style that was the way to do it mm-hmm. like you think kenny g you think like like you said michael jackson mm-hmm. those kind of artists from the day their album covers were pretty similar in a lot of ways you know and so to see you remember those things, um, music stores? Where <laughs> you could actually go in and search through CDs and, and cassette tapes. Do you remember those two? <laughs> yeah. So I think if I were to see, not knowing him, mm-hmm. if I were to see him sitting alongside other male singers that I knew, I might would be like, oh, who's this guy? How come I don't know about him? <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think I it would you. have worked. Yep. Uh, let's see. Senior editor for Relevant Magazine, uh, ranking the singer's top 10 music videos, uh, which, of course, all star him. Like, he didn't didn't really have any music videos that didn't actually star him. You know, sometimes they'll make a... 
put a little movie together and the artist is really just singing it. Yeah. Maybe they'll have like a pop in. Like, mm -hmm. I think 21 Pilots says that a lot where they'll have this cinematic thing and they're just a band in the background occasionally. But they're telling a further story. But yeah, he said, uh, it's impossible to look at this body of work and not conclude that that being a Christian pop spoken word, word star wasn't a little bit of a vanity project for Carmen, even more so than being a Christian pop star is in general. But let's give him more credit than that. He saw it all, first and foremost, as something exciting, a call to be Clint Eastwood, James Bond, and William Wallace all rolled into one. It was that little bit egocentric uh, that was also pretty fun mm -hmm. for, for everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um Carmen was born in 1946 to a meat cutter and a musician. He described his mother, Nancy, say the last name again. Uh, I got to look at it. It's right here. Licciardo. Yeah. Uh, as a child prodigy on the accordion. Uh, she gave Carmen his love of the stage and his first chances to perform. He filled in when a band member failed to show up at a local New Jersey gig. Uh, Carmen said, I knew I wanted to. And once I gave it a try, I loved it. Carmen dropped out of high school at 17 and achieved some early success performing top 40 in Atlantic City. When he turned 20, he decided to try and make it as a lounge act in Las Vegas, hmm. which uh, makes complete sense to mm -hmm. me. Uh, in Carmen's heightened vision of the story, repeated to reporters numerous times over the years, he was doing so well performing in the New Jersey casinos that a talent agent approached him about representing my interest and helping my career. But the agent was linked to the uh, De Cavalcante crime family. Oh, wow. <laughs> which was known for extensive extortion and racketeering in New Jersey. The young Carmen decided to leave town in his green Chevy Vega. <laughs> in Las Vegas, Carmen struggled to break into the music scene or make a name for himself. He took a break to go visit his sister, also named Nancy, in Orange County, California. Nancy and her husband, Joe Maglia Magliato. Gosh. Italian names, I just cannot read the first time. Uh, pastor of the Sunlight Christian Center uh, were worried about Carmen's salvation and tried to convince him to accept Jesus. Carmen resisted, later recalling that he believed what they were saying, but was just too proud to accept it. Mm. Uh, he wasn't too proud to accept an invitation to go to a music festival at Disneyland, though, and Carmen heard the gospel message again at the and Andre Crouch show. Andre, Andre uh, how do you pronounce it with that little thingy above the i above the e oh. the last e guys <laughs> names are stupid and i hate them this time he accepted uh, i was confronted with the truth and i received it carmen said it wasn't that he was doing anything musically that hadn't been done but when he was singing you could feel the presence of god and it was a whole new ball game so the decision to follow Jesus ended Carmen's music career, and he spent the next five years doing odd jobs around Southern California until he started performing in churches, and then got swept up into the booming contemporary Christian music scene. 1981, Carmen started traveling as an opening act for the Bill Gaither Trio. Uh, he signed with a new label, Priority, which almost ended his career when it closed within a year and didn't release the rights to his recordings. Well, that's messed up. Mm-hmm. That's rude. Uh, he was snatched up by Myrrh, however, and started over with the song Lazarus Come Forth, which I love. Yeah. I love Lazarus Come Forth. Uh, he released Sundays on the Way in 1983, also a very good one. Yes. Uh, 
Carmen had his first number one song with The Champion in 1985 and his first number one album on the Christian music charts with Revival in the Land in 1989. All really good. All really good songs. Uh, Over the next 10 years, Carmen released 12 albums with five reaching the number one spot on the Christian charts. He absorbed and adapted every conceivable pop style, repurposing them into rock opera-like narratives, story songs, he would call them, starring Carmen and built around his signature style of talk singing. uh, Somebody else referencing this thing. Uh, Tyler Huckabee, I think that was the writer from the... Revelant Revelant magazine described it as a sort of rhyming spoken word preach rap that defies description. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Gospel Music Hall of Fame said his performances were a combination of drama, rock, comedy, funk, satire, acting, singing and preaching all woven together. Uh, Carmen, for his part, celebrated the indescribability of his style. (laughs) He said, uh, there's one thing you can say about my music. It's uniquely my own, and you don't have to listen to the same sound for 10 songs. Uh, With his success in Christian music, he expanded into music videos, films, and mega concerts. He's believed to have set a record for the largest Christian concert in 1993 with 50,000 people in one venue in South Africa, and then again in 1994 with more than 71,000 people in Texas. Uh, God. Both of those are more than live in our hometown. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's more than Clovis. That's ridiculous. Uh, Yeah, this this goes on further, but let's see here. In 2013, he received a terminal cancer diagnosis. As Carmen wrote to his fans on Facebook, the doctors told him he had an incurable melanoma and three or four years to live. After an outpouring of support, Carmen launched a Kickstarter campaign to fund one final album and tour, raised $280,000, and started the No Plan B Tour. When the cancer went into remission, he attributed his healing to the faith of his fans. He wrote, Folks, you are the ones who have literally willed this man and this ministry back to life. Carmen got married for the first time at the age of 61. Mm-hmm. Continued to tour when the cancer returned in 2020. He billed it as Carmen Live, a Cinemasonic Experience. The tagline read, it's a concert, a movie, a play, a crusade, a must-see event. According to Carmen, he was doing the same thing he'd done his whole career. I'm making Jesus very palatable to our American culture. I guess you can say in a way that anybody can relate to. He died of complications following a hiatal hernia surgery. Uh, at the end, he was planning another tour. So yeah, kind of came out of came out of left field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I so I did hear right that his cancer did come back, but that wasn't what got him this year. So it came back last year. Because mm-hmm. I remember reading that. I remember reading that last year. So, like Carmen today, yeah, like you you were going through some of these songs, yeah. Uh, while we were leading up to this, trying to find a specific one. And I'm looking through some of these old ones as well. And, you know, a lot of them I love simply because of the memory yeah, uh, of it, of, you know, loving it as a kid when I first heard it. Uh, I'm being honest, though, if I had heard some of these just like today, I'd be like, that's nice. But I wouldn't have given it like a second thought, right. which, which is... Okay, because the height of his popularity was late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. And at that time, 
especially in the Christian music scene, which was overrun with the Bill Gaither trio. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was something yeah. different. Uh, but the biggest thing that's that has stood out to me is something that they just touched on in the article is the fact that he doesn't have just one kind of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first album that I had, actually, the very first Christian album that I ever had was the EP version, the single version of Mission 316, mm-hmm. which just had like three different versions of Mission 316 on it and then one other track that I don't remember. But then I immediately bought the next one, which was the full Mission 316 album. And it's got the Mission 316 song, which is, you know, kind of James Bond-esque style, which is in and of itself its own style. But later on, it's got Never Be, which is a very soft, very heartfelt, you know, ballad, uh, almost a, you know, God's love song kind of to us thing. Then went to Jesus is the Lamb, which almost sounds like this kind of uh, slightly African type beat to it and all this uh the courtroom a very dramatic cinematic mm-hmm. song surf mission goes into a beach boys-esque t- style thing uh do i do which sounded like a very uh child uh appropriate song yeah uh <laughs> made for children we are not ashamed a like a power raise the troops kind of ballad uh slam which was like his rock song in this album just it just went all over the place Mm -hmm. and not in a way that felt weird right like every song still flowed into the next one yeah and like i make some music uh personally just for fun and that's kind of how i've done it i just i'm not gonna stick to one genre you'll listen to you know the stuff that i make and it'll jump from different style to different style none of it really sounds exactly the same Mm -hmm. and i think mentally i picked up on that just as a child of this is a normal thing because this was the first full album i ever owned yeah (laughs) it was weird to me to hear the next album that i bought which was dc talks jesus freak and how it all kind of sounded similar Mm -hmm. like this is good but i remember distinctively thinking where's the variation it's all the very same it's all the very same sound it's good though it's a good sound but it's just you know uh huh. I thought the other way. Well, and I had a very similar experience because while it I, was not one of my first, it was not my first CD that I ever owned, but it was one of the first ones yeah. for sure. And yeah. one of the ones that I stole from my dad's collection on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> but I can remember kind of feeling the same way, kind of thinking, this is amazing nothing sounds exactly the same, Mm -hmm. but everything works perfectly together. And so I think that that really set my foundation for what I love about music and what I look for in an artist, um, which honestly is probably why I like for King and country so much, because Mm. in the same way, they are very similar, you know, they're both very cinematic. Yeah. For King and Country and Carmen, very telling a story. You can actually see the story through the lyrics. You know, obviously Mm -hmm. Carmen is much more so than for King and Country, but still for King and Country has that same cinematic feel. And for King and Country, that's what I love about them is they do not have one brand, if you will, one generic sound. All of their songs are just so... Yeah, they can vary pretty widely. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that, I don't know, that's yeah. what I, I, and just kind of putting those two puzzle pieces together, I'm like, oh, of course, for King and Country would be my, my favorite Christian artist of today, because they are kind of like the little brother to Carmen <laughs> in a way, in a way, you know? Um, so I, I bought, like I said, I bought the, the Carmen CD first and then I had DC Talks, Jesus Freak Next. And it was shortly after that that I discovered that that DC Talk had featured on one of Carmen's songs, Addicted really? to Jesus. Did you ever hear that one? Uh, maybe. It was Carmen's kind of attempt at like a rock rap type thing and DC Talk was in it. Huh. Even in the music video, and I'm like, "Oh wow, this is amazing!" I think I discovered it watching. Um, I want to say it was TBN or something like that because they had like a Saturday Christian music video hour or something that they did that I would watch. Back when TBN wasn't so terrible, right? I mean, it's getting a little bit better now. They got new, oh, they got it. they got new owners. They, okay. they kicked off uh, okay. Kenneth Copeland, I think, or or whatever the guy's name is. And but they replaced him with Stephen Furtick, which less less of a problem, in my opinion. Uh, but so, <laughs> they got Veggie Tales on there, new Veggie Tales, good new Veggie Tales too on TBN. Okay, Did you know that the new old the new the new old style, and they're doing a good job. <laughs> they they make you feel like the 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 good old days. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that was, that was pretty fun, but I think my favorite thing from Carmen has to be his like grandiose storytelling songs. Yes. The, the courtroom is a really, really good one. I think that was the, the first one, of course, I ever heard, uh, the champion is a really good one. Mm -hmm. Lazarus come forth is more of a, a song than it is a spoken word thing, but it's still a very distinctive story. Yeah. Like it's still telling it. It's very dramatic. The, the music is very uh, uh, theatrical, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, that kind of stuff is just undeniably Carmen. Like, there's there's no, there's nobody else, I think. I think there's been plenty of other Christian artists that have tried to do stuff like that, and I don't think anybody else has ever come close to how Carmen pulled it off. Oh, yeah. And it is one of my... Great disappointments in life that I've never been able to see one of those performed in a live situation. Yeah. Because I think that would have been the coolest thing to see. Absolutely. One of those Carmen spoken word dramas performed live. I think his concert in general would, would have, have been amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and unlike anything we've seen. Yeah. Uh, and now we're kicking ourselves. Yeah. Because now it's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> Carmen, a... a Cinematic experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, there's no, there's no way around it. He was a, a pioneer in changing the sound of Christian music in general, mm -hmm. taking still solid messages, but putting them in a, a pop entertaining music style that people who were believers or not could find entertaining and often that's a good way to get your foot in the door about sharing your faith with people who might not otherwise would have listened. Yeah. And you see that with a lot of, a lot of artists these days. And I think Christianity tends to give artists that are, are doing that kind of job a rough go of it, it tends to, uh, 
say, oh, you're sounding too much like the world. You know, how mm-hmm. can you how can you really be preaching Jesus if if your music sounds just like uh, quote unquote Satan's music in the world, <laughs> not of the world? And it's like how how else if we're if we're just going to sound like you know harps and you know I yeah whatever you know hymns if we're just singing hymns out there who's gonna who who. Unless you're already predisposed to wanting to hear hymns, as some Christians are, outside of the Christian circles, nobody's listening to that. So nobody's getting the message from that music. Mm-hmm. Make music that people want to hear, but put Jesus in that music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is that a bad thing? How's that ever been a bad thing? Yeah. Yeah. I really, that whole, the whole him thing is another argument that we can have another day. Um, but I, well, you know, there, there's a whole group of Christians that feel hymns are the only thing that we should be singing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and that is just a pill that I choose not to swallow. Load of malarkey. Yeah. Load of malarkey. (laughs) Um, I thought you were saying you and I were going to have an argument. About what we I are going to have an argument. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know you were such a staunch defender of hymns only. Mo. Uh, no, <laughs> um, they're great. But so um, it's just a story time with Mo. Um, <laughs> my so I my dad. And when I say my dad, for those of you who don't know, I mean, my stepdad, my stepdad raised me. Um, he grew up Catholic. He's Italian. Mm. His parents are 100% Italian, actually came from Sicily. Um, So he grew up in this very strict Catholic home, Catholic upbringing um, in Maryland, in Mm. the Northeast. Um, And so when he moved, when he met my mom and they moved to North Carolina, my mom actually grew up Pentecostal. Um, And so it's like two worlds colliding. Very different. Yes. Yeah. And for a long time, it was really difficult for my dad to um, kind of connect and understand Jesus in a Christian sort of way, as opposed to, you know, Catholic. Yeah. Um, And so I can remember when... My Again, dad, not, not not saying that Catholics are not Christians. Oh, just not abs- Catholics ab- do tend to work very differently. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we can have a whole other discussion one day about that as well. But anyway, um, not saying one is better than the other in any way. What I am saying is, for my dad, it was really great to kind of see, and um, I can I can almost remember watching this transformation in my dad, just being kind of. I don't ever want to say cold, but being very confused. He could just kind of sat back and watch things happen, you know, mm-hmm. was not ugly about it, but was just not 100% sold on it. Gotcha. And then he finds out about Carmen, someone who he can kind of relate to because they're both Italian. They both grew up on the Northeast. You know, my dad in many ways look similar to Carmen. So now as an adult, I look back and I'm like, okay, this was somebody who he could have a, a connection with, if you will, he could see himself in Carmen, you know? And so for my dad, that was a huge opening Mm. to Jesus. And I can remember 
of course, I don't know my dad's full testimony. It's something that he's really never shared with me, although I would like to hear it. Um, but I can remember just seeing the change from when I was really little to when I was a, about a preteen, as far as his Christian walk is concerned. And a lot of that is around the time that he was really, really heavy into listening to Carmen. Hmm. And so it was a good ministry in that aspect for my dad. And if it worked for my dad, I can't imagine how many other people across the world connected in that same way Mm. through Carmen's music. Yeah. You know, because it did sound different. It wasn't the same old pop in a Christian CD. Okay, we kind of feel good about ourselves. Okay, but now we feel really bad about ourselves, you know, (laughs) because we're not living up to it. No, there was just so much in, in Carmen's music that not only convicted you, but it it also really opened your eyes to who Jesus was yeah. and who God is um, and made it, like the article said, I think, made it relevant to the time, to the day, what was happening in the world, you know? Yeah. I, that, I don't know. I guess <laughs> that's why I just have like this soft spot for Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Story time with Matt. Mine's not as uh, heartfelt as yours. Oh, but, uh, Go figure. <laughs> mission 316, the, the song itself inspired me and my, my best buddy growing up, uh, Nathan to actually write and film a very cheap, uh, James Bond esque spy movie. Really? It's called Mission 316. And the the way we justified what Mission 316 meant in the movie was once you obtained this this uh you know secretive briefcase or whatever, that was the code to open it. <laughs> 316. Well, of course. What else is it going to be? <laughs> it was I think the whole thing was uh 30 minutes or so, 30, 35 minutes. Um, but when I was, we just shot it like with a handheld camera on a, on just a basic, one of those little tapes. And, uh, we didn't do any editing to it. We would play, we would have like a CD player in the background playing different music and we would just have to do the one take shot. And sometimes we'd have to rewind it and try and get it exactly on that spot in the tape. So it would pick up where it was Mm -hmm. supposed to be and, you know, redo it. Um, but then when I got into high school, uh, I joined the, uh, the, the video, you know, the multimedia class and I had a lot of extra time. And so, I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to legit make this a movie. Yeah. So me and Bubba and uh, I think I think our buddy Dakota and a few other people, we filmed a few extra scenes. And I dressed like I did back then. And, and we filmed a few extra scenes to fill out the story. And I started, like, learning how to edit movies that way. And I put, you know, music and things of that nature all in it. And this was, like, the first big project I had that kind of taught me how to make the stuff that I'm making now, you know, with, with, uh, you know, the church, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, putting together services and stuff, but just projects in general, I have several people you've come to me to make different projects uh, throughout the time. And that's kind of how I learned how to do all of that was just by, by making this crappy movie we made when we were, I think 13, uh, a little cooler. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> but it was all thanks to Mission 316. If that song had never come out, we never would have had that idea. And so Carmen had a little bit of uh, inspiration just in the job that I do today. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, before we entered in to our discussion here, I was making Matt listen to um, Sunday School Rock, <laughs> which is from the album The Standard. Um, and Matt was like, okay, I'm done. I can't hear anymore. <laughs> but this song is such a, um, I don't, okay, when I think about my youth and I think about church, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is one of those memories that kind of is right there in the front of my brain. Yeah. So if you were to pull my file for youth group, this would be the first thing inside <laughs> that file. Um, we had in the church that I grew up in, we had a drama team, which I absolutely loved. If I could do a drama team in my current church, I would, I think it, it's one of the arts that's just forgotten about. Mm. You know, it's lost. Um, But we had a drama team. And then our drama team paired with our youth group. And at the time, this was the last year that my parents were the youth leaders. It was my first year in youth group. And so the drama leader was like, hey, Pam, which is my mom, can we use the youth group to pull off this drama? And my mom Mm. was like, absolutely. Sure. Why not? And so I can remember for at least... Three months. I'm sure it was longer, but at least three months. Every Sunday and every Thursday, we had midweek service on Thursday. Sunday and Thursday, we're practicing this song. Okay. And it's one of the storytelling songs, um, yeah. kind of like courtroom. But it gives this 1950s um, oh, bandstand kind of feel. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't heard it, that. That's kind of what it leans towards. Okay. And the beginning has a whole intro of this radio talk show host. Giving, Which I loved. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty funny. And so we had one of our youth members who had memorized the entire thing. <laughs> and so he, of course, is just lip syncing it, if you will. You know, none of us actually performed the song. It was just a lot of to the song. memorization yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. and lip syncing. So we had our guy at the beginning who who played that radio talk show host. And then the entire youth group had a position, if you will, throughout the entire song as we're, we're acting out Sunday school rock. <laughs> but at the very end, okay, um, there's a, a portion where it's a rap portion. <laughs> okay. And... This part of the drama was just beautiful because, sorry, because we were all sitting at a table like we would in youth group. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was presented as if our youth leader was giving us this message. We're all sitting at the table and then we all kind of come together and create this circle around the table. And you're all like, wait, what are they doing? What's happening here? And then out of nowhere, everybody opens up and the two older guys from our youth group, Scott and Jeremy, lift me up and put me on top of the table, and I get to do the rap. 
Me, myself, <laughs> 13 years old, oh, get to do the rap gosh. at the very end. And it's pretty much the last thing that the song ends on. There's a, a quick tag of the chorus at the very end. Um, but then, so I do my rap. They pick me up off the table, put me down on the ground, and we all run out the back door. And it was just the <laughs> best memory the best drama it was something that we had only we were only going to do on a sunday morning just as like a special for the church but after we did it we were asked to do it for the entire month at every service really and so people actually came to watch us do this drama wow that is how good it was that's cool i know so not only did that really instill my love of drama and I don't want to say acting, but just kind of like musical acting, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but rap also. (laughs) And if you know me, then, you know, it's a fan. It only makes sense. That's hilarious. This is where it started. All right. I'll watch that whole video. Oh, it's so good. Because, yeah, I have to now. (laughs) But I wish that I could find like the video of us doing it. Of y'all doing it. Yeah. Yeah, That sounds like it would be entertaining for sure. Man. Um. My final uh, memory here is uh, (laughs) my mom thinking that I was listening to bad music when listening to Carmen. Okay. Because she, she wouldn't really pay attention to what I was saying if I was singing along, but she perked up when she heard a single word. And it was the first time I had ever, like, said it confidently thinking that it's okay to say this word and that's the word hell yeah because you're you know we were taught anyway as kids that that was a cuss word which it can be right but it's also a literal place it's okay to say the name of yeah (laughs) but you know as a kid you know you're taught that well in the song i think i said that that in that album there was a song called the slam which is uh or just slam, I think. Slam, yeah. Which uh, it was kind of a, a more rocky type feel. Not rocky, but rock <laughs> type feel. <laughs> and he, one of the lyrics in the in the chorus is, "Yes, I am that Christian that hell warned you about." <laughs> I remember I was just I had my headphones on. I think it was in the car. We were driving uh, to visit my grandmother, and I was just kind of singing that in the back. Uh, and my mom said, what did you just say? And I'm like, no, I'm, it's, it's Carmen. It's a Christian song. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, like, it was a, like, she was fine with it, I guess, afterwards, but she just, she was never all the way fine with it. You yeah. Know? Just always like, mm, okay. I don't know how I feel about okay. you saying that. Well, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But overall, I have nothing but good memories. Uh, oh yeah, with Carmen's music. Yeah, and uh, if you don't know who he is, you really got to go listen to it. It's yeah. I mean, look, I'm not expecting you to pick up Carmen albums at this day and age sure. and be like, "This is now my new favorite artist." But it's definitely a fantastic history lesson in the transition from <laughs> gay their vocal trio, gay their vocal band style music only mm-hmm. in the Christian circle to a more pop rock we and have even today. Yeah. slightly rap. <laughs> yeah. I really do feel like he opened the door for a, a lot of Christian artists to feel a little more comfortable. A little more comfortable being, yeah, yeah being 
better sounding better making mm -hmm. better music yeah yeah and not denying who they are as an artist you mm -hmm. know what i mean yeah absolutely so. and you gotta hear america again yeah okay yeah i've never heard that one so yeah it's it's good it's good y'all it's yeah. good it's good good <laughs> uh carmen thank you for your service rest in peace yes and uh we're gonna take a break we're going to come right back uh, and share our latest Twitter poll about Carmen and you. More Backroom Morning Show to come. Stick around. What up, nerd? Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. We hope you're enjoying it. But hey, did you know that Love Thy Nerd airs almost all of its podcasts first on LTN Radio? That's right. LTN Radio is your home for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie music. And it's also the place to go to hear Love Thy Nerd's content before it reaches the podcast feed. In addition to that, Love Thy Nerd creates a lot of content that's exclusive to LTN Radio that you're missing out on. So go check out LTNOnAir.com and listen for yourself. You can also download the Live 365 app on your smartphone and search in favorite LTN Radio or enable the LTN Radio skill on your Echo devices and simply ask Alexa to play Love Thy Nerd. Now let's get you back to that podcast. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show as things are winding down for the day. But first, we've told you about Carmen's role in our lives, but we also wanted to know, did you ever own... A Carmen album. So we did put that on Twitter. Did you ever own a Carmen album? We gave you four options. One or two. Yes. Several. No. And mm, my parents did. Because we know some of you are a lot younger than we are. And we get it. You're young. <laughs> but uh, what did you think the top answer was, Mo? What's the second one? Not yes, several. One or two. Yes, several. No, oh, okay. and my parents did. Let's say one or two. So technically, the top answer is no at 34.1. But, but when you think about it, there are two that were yeses. One or two and yes, several are both yes. Yeah. And combined, they have nearly 60% of the vote. Okay. So. Okay. I feel a little better. <laughs> and then if you add in that my parents did... That's another 7%. So. Okay. A lot of people did. A lot of people did. Only only about a third. So by breaking um, up yes into three different mm -hmm. areas, mm -hmm. we shot ourselves in the foot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but more people said yes several than one or two. So, I mean, that's also a lot better. Okay. Yeah. So quite a few fans out there. Mo, let's end with our verse for the day. Our verse for the day is Psalm 39, 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. That's going to do it for our show today. Be sure to check out all of what we do online at lovethynerd.com. We've got amazing articles on all things nerdy, as well as this show, LTN Radio, and our other podcasts and videos. If you'd like to directly support our mission and become a financial partner with Love Thy Nerd, and specifically with LTN Radio, then please visit lovethynerd.com slash partner. And uh, you can also choose the LTN Radio 
slot there in the drop down menu. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax deductible. And as always, go follow us on all the socials at, at the Back Row LTN, at LTN on air, and at Love Thy Nerd. And the Back Row Morning Show has its own Facebook group community for Christian humor, Back Row Baptist Church. So search us out and join in on the fun. Lastly, remember that we air first exclusively on LTN Radio, LTNOnAir.com, every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m. But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, find the Back Row Morning Show podcast version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Subscribe, rate five stars, and leave a review. All of that helps us immensely. We'll be back tomorrow morning, and we hope you will, too. Mo, final thought. I'm going to go listen to Carmen. Sorry. (laughs) Take me back. Join us tomorrow. We're going to be tasting every single Girl Scout cookie and ranking them. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And remember, if nobody else tells you, we promise that it's true. Jesus loves you, nerd.